What if every day you had the chance to experience more love and intimacy in your life? We're going to be sharing stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. Enjoy this podcast with Dawn Richard. Wake up to real love. Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs and love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I'm so happy today to introduce my new guest and new new friend. We're going to be friends because I can tell. <laughs> Eden Gold. Hi, Eden. Welcome. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, let me <laughs> say really quick. I'm blessed to be here. And Aww. that's still an understatement. Thank you. You're so sweet. And I am blessed to have you here. I'm so excited um, because you are a powerhouse. You are only 22 years old, which is the same age as my oldest son. Uh, You are a professional speaker. You're a mental health advocate and certified health coach who has dedicated her life to helping 1 billion Gen Zs and millennials drop the shame surrounding mental health, speak up and take control of their lives and happiness starting today. Through her speaking and workshops, Eden has helped thousands of students and adults all over the world learn simple and proven strategies to not only cope with traumatic experiences and everyday hardships, but to truly begin to heal from the burdens of silent mental health struggles. Eden's a firm believer that every student's voice matters and that prioritizing mental health can be easy, fun, and liberating. Now, let's just get you to believe it too. Welcome, Eden. Welcome. Well, to myself, I guess. (laughs) Welcome, Eden. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. If you're only 22 and you're doing all this stuff, like you are, you're such a powerhouse. I already, I mean, I already see, I already see it like from, you know, years and years to come. So I'm so happy that we are connected and I'm so excited because we have so many great things to talk about as we were just talking about before we started the record button. That means more to me than you know. I just want to be the best I can for the people that I work with and I serve. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, my first icebreaker question is what's up with the tattoo? What is it? I want to know. Here. Yeah. I have seven. And you actually picked probably the worst one to comment on because this one was just for my birthday and it doesn't mean anything, (laughs) but it's kind of cool. So it has color in the middle and then it's gray on the outside, sort of geometrical. But if you want, but but how, how did you create the design? So I sent sort of a sample photo to an artist and Uh they drew this up and it's a little bit more like cartoony, but I mean, it's awesome. And I love the placement of it. And I am a fan of being creative in whatever way that means. So Uh no judgment on any of this. So what's on the other side? So on this side, you'll see there's a little quote right here. And it says, every breath I take. And one Mm -hmm. thing that I'm sure we'll talk about is my dad. But I asked my dad one time when I saw him and I said, what reminds you of me? And he said, every breath I take. And it was so special and so sweet. So I got it tattooed the next day. <laughs> like like the police song? I didn't know that was a police song. No way. What? Man, now I can see where people might mistake that, but it's actually a sentimental tattoo for my dad. Either one though. Aw. 
Well, do you, do you want to start off? Let's just talk about your dad since we're there. We're going to dive right into it. And just so you guys know. That's, yeah, this I'm, is a big, this is a big thing. I'm 100% an open book. So any questions that come along the way, please just don't even hesitate. Cool. I grew up or I was born into a military family. So mm-hmm. my parents were stationed in Hawaii or my dad was. And so I was born on the island of Oahu. Fun fact, lived in a non-erupting volcano for two years. Woohoo! My parents divorced when I was two. At the time, Mm -hmm. we were stationed in Georgia. And then my mom took me, my sister, my brother, and we drove across the country to live in California with her family. And every year, it was back and forth, back and forth to see mom and see dad. And that was my version of normal, although some may argue that it's far from normal. But as we No, it is. It is. Yeah. As we were just speaking about, you adapt to it. Mm-hmm. And that went on for years until I was 10 years old. And when I was 10 years old, my father went to prison on a life sentence without parole. And to this day, he has no release date. Wow. So as you could imagine, that was one of my first experiences with heartbreak because I don't remember my parents getting divorced. But it really broke my family in ways that I didn't recognize at the time because again, we're just adapting. We're just living, we're growing up, we're being young. And that's what I did, but it planted some deep insecurities inside of me. When I look back now, I can see them. Mm -hmm. And I also grew up with a brother who was addicted to drugs. And unfortunately he still is living on the streets of San Francisco. And sorry, you know, it's everybody does have a story and I think it's important to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to share these things so people feel less alone about them. And I recognize that not everybody can relate to having a father serving life in prison, but we can, we can certainly all relate to loss and grief and family hardships or something of the sorts. And I was very angry for a while. I would see kids with fathers that they wouldn't even talk to and that they appeared to be taking advantage of their families. And I was like, how could you do that? Like you have a dad. Some people don't, some people can't talk to them. And I did grow to be very angry, very insecure until I recognized way later on in my life that that was not the most effective approach to being like that because I, I take advantage of the fact that I can see out of both eyes. Right. And I take advantage of the fact that I can walk on both legs, but we don't recognize it as that because it has never been stripped from us. So I had to check myself, but long story short about the story with my dad, I've seen him four times since his incarceration. Every single time I saw him was behind a four inch block of glass with a Mm -hmm. telephone that you could hardly hear from, but it's better than nothing. And then in 2017, He was graduating from a prison program and he was so excited. He was going to wear a cap and a gown. And I was like, I have to go. I have to go. So right after class, me and my boyfriend at the time, we drove five hours to go to Pelican Bay, uh, Crescent City. And we stayed overnight in a hotel just for the next day when we got there for them to say, what are you talking about? There's no event today. And I was like, no, like there has to be an event, something like, no, there is one. And they're like, let me go figure it out. And then some guy comes back, some uh, worker officer. And he says, yeah, yeah, there is an event, but it's in two days. And I'm just a broke college student. So here I am like, what do I even do? And my mom's like, 
come back and you try it. I'm like, no, I have to stay. Like I'm already here. Uh But sometimes the officials or whoever and the program directors, they don't communicate very much. So that's why some people knew and some didn't. So I was like, you know what? We're going to make it work. We spent all our money on a hotel. Oh, we drove up to see my sister in Oregon. So we just drove four hours and the whole shebang. And when we drove back and when I got to see him, it was the first time I had got to see him in five years. He was so happy. He didn't even know I was going to be there. It was just like a a luck of the draw. We have no way to call them. We have to wait for them to call us. Wow. So he didn't even know, but I know that it was the best day of his life and his hands were shackled to his waist, but he was wearing a blue gown and we just, we weren't allowed to touch each other uh, until they called us up for a father daughter dance. And out of 11 inmates that were in the shoe, I was the only family member that showed up. So oh my gosh, I was 19 at the time. Wow. Spotlights were on us and we got to have a father daughter dance, but of course his hands were like shackled to his waist. So, you know, we did the best that we could, but it was the first time that I got to touch him in 10 years since wow. his incarceration. So wow, that was the day I got this tattoo or that was when he said that to me. So wow. yeah, I bet that was the best day of his life. Probably. That was the last time I had seen him since I hope I will soon, but now we just communicate over emails and phone calls and now they have tablets. So we can email a little bit. And oh, that's, that's, good. that's where we're at today with our communication. That must be so hard for you. It's the one thing in my life that I can cry by just thinking about it. The mm-hmm. one thing that I can actually think about and just probably blow my eyes. It's, it's insane, but I don't similarly like with, you know, grieving over the loss of somebody, I think this is an indirect sort of loss. You know, he's there, but he's like suffering every day. Of course. Of course. So it brings up the same sort of emotions. So absolutely. It's, it's definitely hard, but Uh I try to be strong for the family, you know? Hmm. How does your, how does your mom handle uh, you with this situation? When I was young, it was very hard because when I was a freshman, I did good in school. I was playing volleyball. Volleyball was my one love, but I already had some really deep insecurities. I started becoming very self-conscious just about my body. I think what happened was I was like, what's wrong with me? What did I do to lose him? And I internalized a lot of hate and a lot of pain until Uh I just hated something about myself mixed with outside influences, mixed with friends starting to talk about dieting, mixed with always being compared to my older sister by, I mean, all of our friends. And so that, that kind of, it, again, it didn't plant a seed, but the seed was growing the seed of insecurities. And then, well, and that's not, that's normal for that time of life anyways, right? You're trying to figure out where you fit in. Absolutely. And I became a huge people pleaser. Mm. And I would have done anything that anyone would have wanted of me just to fit in. And so I started partying a lot. And that's when I was sexually assaulted when Mm. I was 15. It was my first experience with sexual sex. Yeah. And 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's a lot to take in when you're young. And looking back, I'm like, how did I, how did I ever get through that? And I was half decent. <laughs> like, I'm like, I was okay. I was okay for sure. But I was struggling a lot more behind closed doors, if that makes sense. Did you blame yourself? Yes, for all of it. And to circle back to your question, I hid a lot of my pain and a lot of my insecurity. So from the outside, you would think that everything was all good. I, I was very good at it. I don't know why I did it, but you know, you're young. And we were just talking before this interview about the disconnect that sometimes families have with their kids. And we feel, oh, I can't tell them anything. I'll get in trouble. Like this or that, like little mm-hmm. do we know that's not exactly how it goes, but that's what I thought. So I'm like, I'm keeping my mouth shut. I'm not saying anything. And so, you did, so you didn't tell your mom that you were assaulted? No, actually, if I'm being 1000% honest, I just told her for the first time, maybe about a month ago. <gasps> I'm not kidding. That's wow. what I say on camera right now. She's in the other room. Wow, Eden, how did you keep that from her? I mean, why did you keep that from her? I didn't want her to be sad. She is my best friend, my hero. Every, like, if anything, she saved me. And then eventually enough time passed by. I was like, it doesn't even matter anymore. Like, I'm just not going to do it. But then years later, I started thinking I, I have to. Like, I just, I don't know. I just, I have to. But I couldn't find the time. Like, when's a good time, right? It was seven years ago. No, yeah, no time is a good time. <laughs> right. Um, and so I, I actually, well, I didn't tell her, I actually posted a Facebook live and it was, it was in the live and I I was building up to telling her. And then she saw the Facebook live and she messaged me and she was like, why didn't you tell me? And that, that's kind of how it was. Honestly, it was bad. It could have been handled so much better. And I don't know why it's the one thing that I kept, but I didn't want to break her heart. It's the best answer I got. Did, did you tell other friends? Did you tell anybody else? Yeah, my friends knew. My friends mm-hmm. knew. I think it just goes back to that disconnect and not disconnect in the sense from lack of love or I don't want to because you're only going to get me in trouble. But it's just something that built up like my struggles are are my thing. You wouldn't get it. And that's what it was is you wouldn't mm-hmm. understand because I believe there's a lack of storytelling in a lot of families. Like parents keep their kids safe by like, oh, I'm not going to bring that up. We're not going to talk about money. We're not going to talk about sex. We're not going to talk about drugs, but they're going to find out anyways. Right. So I was like, she, she, she won't get it. She will get it. But I didn't know that because there was never this bond between her sharing with me. Here's what I've been through. Here's how I overcame it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of families can relate to that unless you have seen it face to face. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is what, you know, I've been telling my kids about too. It's like, why don't people talk about this? I mean, this is why I started this podcast because I wanted to normalize just like you want to do that. You want to normalize all of these struggles that we have, these mental health struggles, these emotional struggles, these relationship struggles. It's like, they're all part of the human condition. And instead of hiding and pretending that they don't exist, which is what keeps us in these hurt and stuck places, 
it's like shame can only hide in the dark. But when we bring it to light, when we talk about it, it loses its charge. It loses its power over us. Yeah. And sometimes it demands to be heard. Sometimes when we don't choose, I like to go back to the law of conservation of energy and say that energy is neither created or destroyed, but it can only be transferred or transformed. Mm-hmm. So while we think we can keep something in us, like, us, oh, not a big deal. I'll get over it. Or, oh, I'm just not going to bring up the fact that I'm mad at my boyfriend because eh, whatever, I'll just deal with it myself, whatever the pain is. Right. We think it's going to go away, but it, it sits there. And then eventually if that buildup gets big enough and the communication is not there or you're not releasing that pain in an effective way, it will demand itself to be heard. And that's what happened to me five years after my sexual assault is I didn't, I wasn't going to say anything because it got to a point where I didn't even think it was a problem. I'm like, oh, that was so long ago. It's fine. But then I found myself in a situation where it did come up again because I was in a situation where I felt helpless. It wasn't near the same situation. And I was like, why am I so like distraught by this? I don't understand. And then eventually after some conversations, I realized, oh, oh, it brought back the same feelings that I had before. It is forcing itself to come out. And I didn't even realize there was a connection at the time. Like, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I think so many people, so many people hold on to stuff for their entire lives. So for you to be 22 and dealing with all of this, this is a huge gift that you are giving yourself. First off, it's a huge gift you're giving yourself by you telling your mom, I would imagine that she probably held on to a lot of guilt. Like, why didn't she tell me? I love her. You know, I want to be there for her. And so it's like, you, you think that, you know, I've got this, I can handle this, but these are the things that, that build walls between us, you know, whereas if I just tell you and say, this is, this is what I'm struggling with, then I can actually be there for you. And maybe I can't, I can't fix it. I can't fix it. It's not for me to fix, but it's for me to show you that I am here for you. I have your back. I, I, I have your best interests at heart. I want you to be happy. I want you to feel loved and cared for and safe and protected and, um, and know that you can rely on me no matter what. That's exactly what it was because that day that she found out, she texted me and she's like, I'm here. Meaning she was at my house <laughs> and yeah. like, what? you're here. And so I came outside and, you know, I was just trying to comfort her and she was crying and, and she was sad and brightly. So I, I had to hold the space. I knew it was important, but like you said, there's never a good time. But no. what I am certain of is the moment that you overcome the fear of whatever is holding you back. You know what it is. I know that anyone listening to this knows what that fear is. You've just, you're just not talking about it or you've convinced yourself there is no fear. So you got to do some right. thinking to identify right. that there actually, in fact, is fear. The moment that you decide to release it, instant weight lifted off your shoulders. Well, maybe not instant. Of course, it's going to be hard and scary. And what holds us back more than fear? Not much, if anything, but 
you will feel better after doing it and you will get better and better at not holding in your pain and you will be this much closer to thriving in spite of whatever your past says about you. Mm -hmm. In spite of all the BS because your past does not dictate your future Mm -hmm. and you have a choice to make. And I would say make that choice to, to take that action step, even if it's hard for those around you. It's important. I, th- I, think, I think most people sit with their fear because what's on the other side of their fear is unknown. And so when you hold on to that fear, it's this sense of <clears throat> known. I know what I'm in right now and I can sort of control it or manage it. Right. We have this sort of false sense of security, even though it's really painful and uncomfortable. But on the other side of because on the other side of the fear is love. It's weird how true that is, but it's also weird how quickly people would be like, no, no way. Like, because it's hard to kind of picture, but Mm -hmm. it's true. And shortly after that experience, I developed my eating disorder. I was bulimic for six years and that was you. That was you managing your fear. 100%. It was the one thing that I I could control, which Mm -hmm. is ironic because I, I, I was so out of control for moments, but then the in control was the purging. The in control was the, I get to decide what happens next. That was the fear releasing. That was the pain releasing temporarily. Right. But every time I I wasn't able to, like, if I didn't drink any, this is honestly trigger warning, but if I didn't drink any water or if like I was too in pain to like purge, honestly, I would feel so ashamed of myself. Like I failed, like I lost all control. Like I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like da, 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 because I held my power in this one thing that I felt I had control over. Mm -hmm. Again, you don't recognize it at the time. I guarantee every single person listening to this is going through something and you might not even know you're going through it. Maybe you do, but you're like, "Eh, it's not that serious or you are, but you're doing the best you can, but you're going to look back on that moment. And then you're going to understand the lessons far more than you will when you're in it. So I didn't realize it when I was in it, but that's exactly what was going on. You just, you just redirect it to something else. Right. So that so that pain and that fear um, and that sense of. Well, loss, it's like your your loss of your innocence, you know, your loss of your um, your womanhood, you know, um, and and coming to this place of why, you know, like why? Okay, I'll just forget about it. It's, you know, I, I can get over it. I can handle it. I can manage it. But then it all gets redirected in these unhealthy, unhealthy ways. I mean, it could be, it could be like a sense of perfectionism. Well, I'm just going to get, you know, straight A's, or it could be, I'm going to turn to drinking and drugs, or it could turn to, um, you know, I'm just going to go crazy sexually because what's the point? I mean, there are all different ways that people take their pain um, because they don't know what to do with it. Because to right. to feel it is too um, is too unknown, right? But at least you can control all this other stuff. One hundred percent. And when it comes to the thought of trying to do something different, right? A lot of times when we get caught in these loops, there will be a couple of moments here or there where you're like, I. I should change something, eh, but I'm not going to, it's whatever. Like I'm going to keep doing me. Like there was many moments where I tried 
to change, like define trying, right? Whatever. I I thought I tried or I gave it half of an effort, but I didn't have the resources. I didn't even know what an eating disorder was until I was in the process of recovery. When I, when I was recovering and educating myself, I was like, bulimia. Oh, there's a name for that. Oh, because no one talks about it, especially when you're young. So you are just thrown out into the deep and not knowing these things that are so possible to happen to us. And no one says anything. But the point I was trying to make to that is in the process of trying to recover, you're, you're getting inspiration on Instagram. You're getting inspiration online and you're seeing these people who have these seemingly perfect lives. Right. And the thought of ever being there is just so far-fetched. You can't even fathom. They have been put on a pedestal that you instantly give up before you try. And it's because you're thinking you're right here at a, and you're thinking about Z. And of course it seems unfathomable. And that's one of the reasons we never even try. Cause we just don't even believe that we can do it. Mm. That's why one of the first steps that I took in the process of my recovery, well, when it actually started to work anyways, was I had to shift my perspective and think, okay, I'm not going to like be free forever. I would go one day without purging. And I was like, I'm healed. Yeah, I'm healed. And then the next day I would, I would purge and I would feel like such a failure because I was so convinced I was healed. And then when I shifted my perspective and said, okay, I'm only going to do it for one day. If I purge tomorrow, whatever. But today I'm not going to, that's my only goal is today. What can I do today? And then when I achieved that day, I'm like, yes, one day, whatever happens tomorrow. Okay. The next day I'm like, okay, today I'm going to wake up. Not today, tomorrow, whatever, but just today. And you really have to put all your focus into the next step and just forget the rest. It is hard. But when you do that, eventually it's been a week and maybe every now and again, you'll have a relapse or whatever happens, but you're developing a skill. It's you're changing, rewiring your brain. I'm sure you could talk on that better than I could, but changing the most ingrained nature of your detrimental habits is what you're doing. So that that's what that made me think of. What made you decide you needed to change? Because that's, that's the shift that I want to know about is like, how did you go from this place of, yes, this is just what I'm doing, you know, um, uh, why, why did you do it? Because you had this body shame, right? And so that was a way to control it. So what was the shift for you to say, this doesn't work anymore, or this, I don't like how this is making, impacting me. The shift was. There was many moments throughout the course of my eating disorder where I was like, I don't even care. At least I'll never have to worry about food again because I'm just going to throw it up anyways. So I can just live my life and I can eat whatever I want. Yes. Exciting. Like I would envision my 25 year old self, 30 year old self, like I'm all good. But then, you know, the pain grows, the mental anguish grows, the body hatred grows. You, you get little like taps, like, Hey girl, like, Hey, things are getting worse. Things are getting worse. You ignore mm-hmm. it for a while, but it intrudes so much. And then you find yourself in situations where you're like, how did I get end up here? How did mm-hmm. I get, I can't identify what that would be for anyone else. But for me, it was at my best friend's 21st birthday party. And, you know, I was kind of in a place where I saw my eating disorder, but it just, it was a part of me, you know, 
And so it's, it's not, it's not like it got brought up every single day. It was just who I was. I was so comfortable doing it anyway. So I'm just out here having fun. And we stayed up all night. We did drugs. And the next day we didn't sleep at all. The next day I was so beyond exhausted. I went back to my house and I couldn't even move. I was so tired. But then that animalistic part of my brain was like, go get food. Like go just binge out on a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, no, like what? Like I'm literally dying over here. I'm so hungover. Like what? But then that part of my brain was so strong. I drove my butt to the store. I got French fries. what I get? I got like ice cream. I don't even know what all I got. I ate it all. And I was like, I was like stunted. I could not believe what just happened. I couldn't believe that I was even capable of doing that, of getting myself up. And I had never felt so low. It was like noon because I hadn't slept. Mm. And I remember calling my boyfriend at the time. He didn't even know about any of this. No, he didn't know. No, no. Oh, wow. No, I hit it all six years. There was only sneaking suspicions around sometimes, but I, Look, I would never recommend this to anybody at all to hide it. I I could have healed a lot faster. I could have saved myself a lot faster. I'm not saying I'm proud of what I did, but I was so deathly ashamed. And I called him because I didn't know what else to do. And I told him, I was like, I have to tell you something. And I told him and he was like, oh man, like that, that sucks. So like, what's up anyways, like other than that. And I was like, do you not understand what I just told you? I'm like, do you not get it? And he was like, oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. He's like, I didn't like, I didn't know. And I was like, oh my, I'm going crazy. And I instantly went on like a two day smoothie cleanse, didn't know what to do. And then I was like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. And then I spent about a year or so dieting, trying different things, being so engulfed in education. I did every diet on the planet because I thought it was right. Like fruititarian, high fat, low carb, high carb, low fat. I, whatever. I tried it all, but it was all in pursuit of optimal health. And the more, you know, Mm -hmm. and the more educated you become, the more you're able to do better. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the process of my lowest point for myself and and yeah and so have you ever heard just don't judge food you know I don't know if I've heard that quote is that a quote yeah by me (laughs) (laughs) I I I read it I read it when I was around your age and it said because because all everything that you're talking about Eden is about self-judgment right it's about self-judgment And so how do we stop judging ourselves? How do we just accept who we are and where we are? And so food is one of those things. Like, it's like, it's like, you know, kids at Halloween, they gorge on their candy for a couple of days. And then they're like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Mom, can I have some fruit? It's sort of the same concept. Like just, I, you know. I want a hot fudge sundae and, you know, five scoops of cream and whatever. Am I going to eat that every day? Probably not. Right. But can I just enjoy this one right here, right now? As opposed to going, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. This is bad for me. This is, you know, so it's like that self-judgment 
as opposed to just letting your body tell you like, hey, I'd really like an orange right now. Or, hey, I'd really like some pizza right now. And then in the mind of somebody who has an eating disorder, we're thinking, I have to eat it now because I mm. will never eat it again. I promise mm. tomorrow's different. And uh-huh. then the next day is a failure and it's failure after failure after failure. Mm-hmm. So the first step I believe in re- reducing or removing that self judgment is allowance and mm-hmm. a, an abundance mindset. And you can, you can add to that if you have any other just tips I could help with that. But I remember very specifically shortly after I went on this juice cleanse, whatever, I found an ad for the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And I was like, what? Mm. Awesome. And I went there and it was mostly for myself, but it was awesome. I I didn't even know it was a thing. It was like the universe was calling to me. Mm -hmm. And we did this journal entry. I don't remember what it was about, but what I wrote about was, okay, I'm going to allow myself to eat. I'm so excited. I got so excited because I had always been, no, you can't, you can't, which made me Right. And I was like, okay, on August 18th, 2018, I'm going to eat whatever I want. It's going to be my cheat day. And I planned it all out. And I was so excited. I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to like have permission. Like, wow. And the craziest thing happened. I went to the store and I went down my favorite aisle, the chip aisle. <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? And I didn't get anything. I literally left the store that day because I was like, huh, nothing even sounds good. I didn't even watch Mm. it. And then later that night, I went back to the store, got Pringles and I got ice cream, ate it all. That's not the point. That's (laughs) not the point. It was a profound shift in my thinking in that when you allow yourself something, the the desire to have it is so much less. You're like, actually, since it's always there, I don't always want it, but if it's never there, you got to get it while you can. Right. And you, I know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Same thing. So I believe allowance and just thinking abundantly practicing it is a huge step in reducing self-judgment because it's not your fault anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just biology realigning almost like it, it was, it was insane. And that well, was the date too. It really was August 18th of 2018. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> and how about this whole concept of, can I just have what I desire? Yes. That's, yes. A, bold, that's a bold new concept for most people. And especially women, I think, because we do judge ourselves so badly based on all these external things, based on these traumatic experiences that we've had in our life. It's like we hold this sense of shame and judgment. But it's like, when was the last time anyone, you know, said to you, Eden, what do you really desire? What do you want? Right. If you gave yourself permission to do that, how would that change your life? I had a true... I I use the word troll lightly who commented on one of my Instagram photos, maybe like two months ago. Mm -hmm. And it was way back in the way, like she was looking, she was lingering on my profile and she commented and she was like, your boyfriend really likes you when you're that big or something like that. You could probably find the comment. Oh God. Uh Like, yeah, he does. He actually thinks I'm beautiful. And she was like, how could you think she's beautiful when she's so like that or whatever she said? And me and my boyfriend, 
we knew my boyfriend right now, we knew that it was like a quote unquote troll, Mm -hmm. but my head in knowing what I know now, I'm thinking, no, 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 there's something more going on here. I recognize that hurt people hurt people. People who have the time of day want the attention. They're feeling so low. So let's, let's dissect it. So we're responding back and forth. And so is he. And he's like, actually, I love her for exactly who she is and exactly how she looks and everything. And she's like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like guys just don't like girls who look like you. And these Mm. are all things that she said to me. And I'm not getting offended now because I've done the work. I don't, I don't think of myself worth based on what other people think, but it comes right now. Right. That just comes with practices, whatever. And we just kept talking to her and eventually maybe like 10 messages on an Instagram thread later, she was like, really, you mean you actually like her for looking like that? And he was like, yeah, I actually do. And she was like, Oh my God. And you know, we ended up not responding at a certain point, but I do remember that conversation. And I do remember, you know, just the lesson I learned from it in we, we all have the ability to be kind to people, even when they aren't kind to us. We also all have the ability to make our own decisions and seek happiness and whatever that means for us. See, we always have a choice to make. I believe happiness is a choice. Mm-hmm. And I know what some may say. They may say some people are diagnosed with depression. Some people have mental illness. But I say everyone has a choice to take a step that allows them to get one step closer to being happy. Right. Even if that decision is the decision to take the medication that you've been avoiding that you know you need. That's a decision that you can make to better yourself to ultimately get to where you want to go, which is happiness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know exactly what the lesson in all of that was, but when you go on this journey of self-discovery and self-acceptance and not hating yourself, a huge part of that is recognizing that there's always going to be people who talk, but those people are likely very hurt themselves. People who want to mm-hmm. take the time to say bad things to you. So realize that it has to come from you. You have to be confident in yourself and it's 100% possible. And then you can use that love to go give love to other people. Mm-hmm. And the happiness it brings you is phenomenal. It, it's, it starts, starts by those, those messages that you're telling yourself, you know, that um, am, I, am I acceptable as I am? Am I enough? You know, am I worthy of love? Not for what I do or how I look or what I do for you, but just in my being. Yeah. You know, that, that however I show up, if I'm having a bad day, I'm still worthy of love. If I'm, you know, rude and disrespectful, I deserve to be forgiven. If I show up and, um, you know, I'm struggling, I, I deserve compassion you know, for my struggles. It's like all of those ways of being kind to yourself. Well, take this, for example, if somebody is chasing the opinions of others and you know who you are, if you are seeking validation from others and you meet a guy, if you're a woman or, or a guy, whatever. Right. But anyways, so you meet a guy and they're like, you're too big. You need to be smaller. And you're like, okay, guys like small, you have it in your head. Guys Mm. like small, right? And then you lose weight. And then you meet a guy who says, I like my woman thick, or I like my men thick or whatever it is. And then you're constantly in this battle of trying to please everybody. And you're never going to, 
Like you're never going to. You have to live in your truth and what you know to be true. If you're listening to this right now, you know deep down that there's something more that you can reach. There's something greater than what meets the eye or you wouldn't be here because that voice that's telling you this is stupid. You know what you're doing. The ego. That's not the voice that brought you here. It's the voice that you know what I'm talking about. Not the first one, but the inner voice. Mm-hmm. And someone said to me recently, they said, Sometimes when you're living in your truth and you speak your truth, you expose people who are living a life of a lie mm-hmm. and they don't like that. Yeah. So you will always have haters. Always. Everybody can crack an egg. Not everybody wants to make an omelet. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, the people, the people that aren't expressing their truth, I mean, they're hiding behind those masks, you know, that pretending everything's fine. I'm God, you know, I've got it. I'm good. But they're really covering up their own pain, you know, their own fears, their own insecurities. The quickest thing to do is to bring people down with you. And this Mm is why bullying is such a big issue, even cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. Because it's a lot easier. Well, I don't know if it's easier per se. I don't know what the word is, but if we make other people feel small for a second, just a second, we feel big and powerful. Yeah, powerful. Right. And there's another quote that goes, No one has ever made themselves big and powerful by making somebody else feel small. Right. Think of the biggest names out there, the people you love most, you idolize. They're not just stomping and smashing people into the ground, into the dirt. And that's how they gain their power. No, they are better than that. That's why one of the best ways to fight off a bully is just kill them with kindness. Like we did to that girl, for example, like if you hang on them, they're like, yay, attention, attention. Like it's on me for once. Right. Right. They're right. Like very insecure. So, you know, just keep that in mind. So how, how did you take these experiences and decide that you wanted to help your generation? I knew I wanted to be a speaker. I knew how, 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 how I was in the process of getting my certification as a health coach. Mm -hmm. And I thought I wanted to be a health coach. And then I realized, man, this is hard. (laughs) And that's what a lot of young health coaches think is it's actually very hard because you just don't know enough. You need to go out there and experience. And I didn't know that. So I'm out here trying to like pitch people with my like naive little self. I'm like, Hey, want to work with me? Like (laughs) whatever, not knowing enough about the the whole concepts of of health. Uh, And then I didn't, I ended up not resonating with it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And I don't know the exact moment that speaking came my direction. But what I do know is in 2018, I was going to go to Colorado to hang out with one of my quote unquote mentors, Catherine Hoke. She is the founder of Hustle 2.0 used to be founder of um, a company called Defy Ventures and they work with prisoners. She's the reason I got to watch my dad graduate because she was was hosting the program that he graduated from. Uh And so it's because of Catherine that I got to see my dad for the first time in 10 years. So I had huge respect for the girl. I recommend everyone look her up. If you look up her Ted talk, I'm in it. I'm I'm in her keynote presentation. I'm in her book too. And that weekend, we were going to have a mastermind, figure out what my plan for business was. 
she gets invited to do a keynote presentation in Fiji. And she tells them, I'm not going unless you invite Eden. And I'm all, <gasps> I'm all me. I'm all me. Is there another Eden around here? Like, that's crazy. And so not only did I get to go, but they paid for our tickets. And like, it was just, wow. I'm like, oh, the universe. And while we were there, we also went to Australia and New Zealand. I got to speak on stage with her in Fiji because I was again in her keynote presentation and I got to talk about my dad. It was, it was the craziest thing. We were in a room full of 200 women and she was like, and this little girl, her father went to prison when she was 10 years old. And in fact, she's here with us today. And I walked up on stage and you can imagine like how impactful a presentation like that would be. Everyone was crying. Oh, it was was awesome. (laughs) As awesome as crying could be. But we met this guy in Australia. His name was Lawrence Tom, T-H-A-N. And he's like, have you ever thought about being a speaker in schools? I knew I liked to speak. I mean, like clearly as you said. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, huh. I never thought about that because at the time I got it in my head that I was going to make like lip scrubs and stuff like lush. I don't, I don't know. And I was like, huh, you're right. And I've never dropped the idea since. And I just wow. started putting myself out there, doing what I could, doing Facebook lives, making a calendar based on things I was passionate about and doing lives once a week, connecting with people. And, and the passion just never faded. It never faded because there's young people who are where I was and they didn't, they don't know what I know. And it would be a disservice of me not to share that because I don't know why I got here. I don't know why I'm so young and I got to learn what I learned. I don't know. Mm-hmm. One of my good friends committed suicide last year. <gasps> oh and my gosh. Really, I'm so sorry. It's okay. She was actually my first and only girlfriend that I've ever had in, in high school. So obviously I like, wouldn't ever forget her. She's awesome. Her name is Emily. Okay. So, so your friend, Emily, that committed suicide, I'm so sorry. So what happened? So when I went to her candlelit ceremony, that was the day after it was actually in front of a psychiatric hospital that the night before she got turned down from, uh, cause she went to turn herself in for help and they didn't have enough. Oh friends. no. Yeah. Uh, and I, it, it, it was sad. It, there's no other word to say about it other than it was heartbreaking. They didn't have enough beds. They turned her down. And the next morning she committed suicide. Yeah. And so I went to her candlelit ceremony and I spoke on, on the horn and I was talking about how I don't understand how I got to heal from my demons and the things that I've gone through in my life, but she didn't and Mm -hmm. others don't. And there's so many other people who don't like, what's the difference? What's the difference between me and them? Mm-hmm. Who, who decides this? Mm-hmm. And it's those things that I don't have an answer to. And I don't think that we will ever have an answer to. But I have to remind myself or recognize that it has to be because I'm here for a reason. Mm-hmm. I'm here to share my message and to live on and teach, be a teacher to the things that I know now to save somebody else's life. It's just an undeniable drive that's, that's inside of me. And I refuse to let anybody think if I have anything to do with it, to let anybody think that their life is worthless mm-hmm. because there is a one in four trillionth chance that you would have been born. And I refuse to believe that is an accident. Right. So the drive and, and the hunger to change just grew stronger and stronger. And the more people that I can reach with that message, the, the better 
of a chance we have for a better future, for a greater tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What do all of your friends think about this for you? They really respect it and support it. In fact, I think, I could be wrong. I think I'm one of, you know, a few cases where people didn't really doubt me. People didn't really say, oh, you shouldn't do that. Oh, you shouldn't. Sure, people said things like, oh, maybe you should extend your date. Like I, I wrote an ebook back in 2017, I believe it was my first ebook. And I had a deadline. I started with the deadline. So I knew I had to get it done. And then I procrastinated. And my mom was like, let's just extend the date. And I'm like, mom, I can't. Entrepreneurs don't do that. I cannot do that. I have to meet the date. And I just hustled and hustled. And it was terrible. I mean, the the spelling errors were awful, <laughs> but I did it. And so there were things like that, like, oh, give yourself some, some slack or take longer to do it. But I mm-hmm. always tried to be really strict with my deadlines and always tried to get stuff done of that nature. But overall, people have been very supportive and proud of me for how far that I've come. And in fact, I've had friends reach out to me from high school and say, I know I've never said anything to you. I've been kind of following you around, not saying anything, but you changed the way I look at my body or you changed the way I do this or X, Y, Z. And getting those messages is just amazing. It blows your mind because sometimes in the beginning, you're like, are people even impacted by what I'm saying? Besides my mom. (laughs) And then then to hear people come out of the blue and say, I've been following you for a while and this is how you impacted me. Wow. Amazing. It's so nice to hear. So what what is your vision? of the kind of impact that you want to to do? Like, what is, what is your primary message, Eden? Jess, Jess LaCarte's. Oh man, I (laughs) I didn't change that, did I? (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) But my- Eden Gold. It's it's Eden Gold. You guys will understand if you're watching the video that my name is appearing wrong. But Eden Gold with her golden message. Um, oh, you could talk right. about that. My my message is to impact the lives of one billion teens and young adults by educating them on how to overcome shame surrounding mental health and speak up, re- re- reduce the fear of speaking up, so they can take control of their lives and their happiness starting today. I want them to not only find their power in their voice and not hide behind the burdens of silent mental health struggles, but I want them to take control and take action because my mission is not just to inspire people, but to ignite change. Mm -hmm. So people leave with actionable, simple and proven steps that they can do moving forward to work towards becoming the best version of themselves as cliche as it sounds. And so is that what the golden method is about? The golden method. So it's actually, I tailor between the golden golden. So what I've come to realize in putting together some of the presentations that I've given recently is a lot of the things I've been through in my life fit into the acronym of golden, Uh but I recognize it's kind of long depending on the audience. Oh, I like golden. I like golden. Golden? Really? Uh I just feel like it's too hard to remember sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, like all of those different steps, but I've realized that it's, it's a very systematic approach to a healthy lifestyle. Just how do we develop practices that can help us thrive and overcome and cope with negative emotions and get rid of toxicity in our life. And of course, we're always trying. We're never going to be perfect, but that's 
the beauty we already we already are perfect Eden I love how you say that because I'm like wait I could have said that differently <laughs> is is if we didn't if we were 100% balanced that's the word then we would have nothing to work towards but we thrive off of progress Tony Robbins says that I forget the exact quote but it's like progress is one of the things that makes us the happiest in this world and if someone yes. has that exact quote let me know it's isn't it like progress over perfection Something no, it's, that it's not that. And I'm really <laughs> bummed because I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan, but some, something along the lines of that. And so even though balance is what we seek to create, quote unquote, uh-huh. we're never going to get there, but it's okay because we always have goals. And when we achieve this, okay, let's focus on this now. How can I defy all odds and keep pushing myself? It's like, you know, what do I desire today? Because my desires today might be different than my desires yesterday and different from my desires tomorrow. So I'm constantly um, seeking and growing and expanding and learning and becoming. I think that our whole life journey is about becoming the best version of yourself. You know, what is my potential? Who can I become? You know, how can I continue to um, to show up better and better and better, you know, and, and have like better mental health, create better relationships, um, create a sense of emotional wellness, relational wellness. It's like, you know, body wellness. It's like reconnecting to all of these aspects of ourself that make us whole um, and perfect. <laughs> The best way to do that is to live presently. Mm-hmm. One of the most beautiful shifts I've ever made in my life to just be a little bit happier is to enjoy what I'm doing instead of being in a hurry to get to the next place. I'll mm-hmm. give you a perfect example. I used to go on a lot of walks. I'm working on doing it more. Sometimes you get in and out of it, but I used to go on walk every single day. And I, I remember there was a period of time when I would try to hurry up through my walk because it became something I felt like I had to do do. just to stay healthy. So Mm -hmm. I I just had to do it. It was no longer something I enjoyed. And then when I had sort of an epiphany moment, I was like, I'm losing joy in all of the things that I'm doing. Cause I'm like, I have to get back to work. So I have to hurry up and walk, but I have to walk because I have to be healthy. And if I'm not healthy, then I'm not going to like look my best. And if I don't like, it's just a whole thing. And I'm sure we can all relate if we dissect our struggles. Right. And then I just reminded myself, I started reminding myself, Let's just slow down, enjoy the wind. Let's use our senses. Look at the trees, like the fall Mm -hmm. trees. And just reminding yourself to be present in that this moment is here and now. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Instantly changes so much. Instantly. Like it's crazy. It's take a deep breath and just be. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I love talking about this stuff. It really, you know, some, some may say easier said than done to do all of these practices. And what I have found a lot is that you give someone the answer to something, but they don't want to hear it because the answer is too simple. I'll, I'll, let's take weight loss, for example. If someone wants to lose weight, they're going to go on the internet scavenging for information. How do I lose weight? How do I lose weight? How do I lose weight? But if we sat with that question for a second, okay, how do you think you lose weight? We walk more. We eat more fruits and vegetables. We eat less sugar. We drink more water. 
But people don't want to hear that because it's too simple. We don't want to believe it. And we're thinking, no, give me the real answer. Give me the real answer. And they want some weird, complex, unidentifiable thing, pill, tea. Like the answers are actually very simple. And they're actually true. And we have those answers inside of us, but we've come so disconnected from, I guess, biology and, and the truth. And we've been fed with so many lies throughout our lives that we're led to believe that, no, the solution, let me tell you, is in my laxative tea, like. You don't want to hear my answer. <laughs> my answer is eat all the donuts and candy and ice cream and pizza and chicken nuggets that you want. Let me tell, let me tell you why, but be, but be present while you're doing it. Okay. That's key. That's key is being present. When I'm present here, here's what I do. I eat slower. I enjoy every bite. Yeah. I'm not just scarfing it down. Right. I'm, I'm thanking my food for being there. Cause it actually has gone through a lot before getting to your plate, believe it or not. And, but it took a while for me to get there at first. I had to really be consciously aware of the actions that I was taking. Mm -hmm. But now I'm in a place where I can eat whatever I want. And in fact, I don't have cheat days. I know some people do. I don't because I eat treats every day. You don't judge. You right. don't judge. Right. It's totally fine because whatever, because I like chocolate. My bad. Like, and what? <laughs> and, but I've gotten to a place where I can do that. People who might not be in that place. And I know I'm speaking heavily towards maybe uh, people who struggle with food or body image, but this can be applied to anything. Right. Um, but that, that's just how I relate it best. Then, you know, maybe it does take a little bit of a conscious effort to do something. Uh, or, I mean, this is all unless medically advised, of course, everybody, right. <laughs> everybody. Right. right. We're not doctors here. Yeah. Yeah. You will get to a place where you can have whatever you want and how much you want, because how much you want is drastically different when you have a, a healthy relationship with food right. than right. when you don't. And so it's this acceptance and allowance, like just be, just, yeah. just listen, like take the time, slow yeah. down, take the time to be present with yourself and figure out what do I desire in this moment? Right. You know, what is speaking to me? What is calling me? What am I feeling inspired to do or eat or say or become? <laughs> The best way, one of the best ways that I want to share that I have found to do that is by really tuning into how we feel. A lot of us, we wake up, external forces dictate our mood, external forces dictate what we do, the actions that we take. But if we can take a couple of moments in the morning and ask ourselves before we look in the mirror, right? A lot of my, my women out there who, and, and men too, who aren't, you know, maybe confident in their bodies, they might be looking at themselves first thing when they wake up and thinking, oh man, like I don't look great. So uh -huh. I'm in that mood all day. So instead let's wake up and ask ourselves, how do I feel today? Oh, I, I feel great. Great. You don't need to look at your body to justify why that's true or prove yourself wrong. Uh -huh. Similarly, if you wake up and you're like, oh, I feel gross. Maybe I ate a whole pizza to myself or maybe I am hungover or whatever. Great. Now you will take action based on that feeling. Your feeling is saying drink water. But if you looked at yourself, you're just trying to confirm that your thoughts are true. Like, congratulations. Like, good job. Like, 
if we can focus on how we feel, then we can let that be the primary factor helping Mm -hmm. us reattune with our bodies. Mm -hmm. Because if I feel great and I look at my body and then I instantly feel ugly because I'm looking through like a broken lens, right? Eat a salad. But if I focused on my feelings, I'd be like, I feel great. I actually wanted a mimosa this morning. But if I let my body dictate that, I'd be like, no, 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 God forbid you have a mimosa, right? So it's just a simple shift yeah. in focusing on what your body is telling you. It is the smartest biocomputer ever. Mm-hmm. And how do, you, how do you think that that will impact your whole life, your relationships, the way you show up for work, um, you know, what you, what your, you know, desires and goals are. How do you think that simple fact of that, that acceptance and that allowance of just being present in the moment, how does that impact your whole life? I'll tell you exactly how, when you're not nurturing your body in a way that that's right for you and you're just being present and doing what feels good. You're a better friend. You're better to your family. You're a better, you're a better lover, a better student. And I know that the times that I am agitated towards my boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. We pick all the people that we love. When I am angry and more irritable towards him, I, I'm so self-aware. Sometimes I feel like I'm too self-aware. You know what I mean? And I know it's because I feel bloated and I feel gross. Literally, I challenge you to pay attention to it. Next time you don't feel good in your body, pay attention to how you treat other people. Mm. When I feel balanced and good and, and healthy and like my best self, and sometimes healthy is pizza and a beer. Sometimes I feel great because I've allowed myself to do it, right? It's right. not shame and guilt surrounding it. But I challenge you, next time you're feeling gross, pay attention to your attitude. I guarantee you'll be more irritable. Mm-hmm. So. If we can attune to our environment and be present throughout the day, recognize that other people's energies don't have to be our energies, that you'll get to keep that energy for yourself. Right. Then we show up and we're genuinely just happier. Like, I don't even have to convince you because you're going to feel it because Mm -hmm. you're going to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Question mark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, this is so important for everybody to learn. This is the whole, you know, paradigm shift of let's change our education and start talking about all of this stuff about living well, living well. Yeah. And you can start with very simple practices, very simple. And you might doubt that the simple things add up, but the simple things add up. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. (laughs) How do you climb a ladder? One step at a time, right? Like the proof is in the pudding. It's right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Eden, um, the last question that I usually ask my guests are, how do you define real love? Because this is all about waking my podcast called Wake Up to Real Love is about creating more real love in your life. So how do you define real love? Wow. (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) I think my opinion is that love is a feeling and you don't have to overthink it. If it's a a feel good feeling and something, something that comes forth to you, even in times of pain and sadness, you still in your heart have, have love for someone that's love. And even if it's someone who has done you wrong, it doesn't mean you don't have love for them, but Love comes in various forms. So 
Sometimes we love from a distance. Sometimes we love, but they're not in our life anymore. Sometimes mm-hmm. love fades. Sometimes love is forever, but it's, it's a feel good feeling that remains in times of discomfort is the best way I can put it. Is that, is that a good answer? Whatever you say is, a, is the perfect answer. I've never been asked that question before. I'm like, huh, I know it's, sort of, it's, a, it's kind like, of an unusual question because most people think of love as airy fairy, uh, you know, like rainbows and unicorns, but this is what I'm talking about. And, and I was just going to ask you because you were talking about loving, um, loving other people, but how about loving yourself? What is real love? Loving yourself. Loving yourself is knowing that you will be okay no matter what, that even in times of self-doubt and self-hurt and pain or frustration, that you will be okay and Mm -hmm. you are deserving and worthy of happiness and light and love, regardless of that discomfort and that dis-ease. Self-love is recognizing that you are worthy of more and you are deserving of that. And you don't always have to live in congruence to it. Sometimes we need to recalibrate a little bit, Mm -hmm. but self-love is self-trust and self-acceptance. Yeah. Probably the best way I could put that. You are so wise for such a young woman. I'm like, you. Oh, thanks. You're amazing. You're amazing. So how do people get in touch with you and learn more about what you do and, and where they can find you and how they can work with you or invite you to come speak? Right. So any booking requests, questions, inquiries, you can email me at hello at I am Eden gold, dot com. I just launched an online program. We're still in the production process, but we are in our pre-enrollment stage for any young adults, teenagers and young adults to help you navigate your early 20s. We talk all things personal development, professional development, physical health, mental health, relationships, creativity, cultural inclusion, disability. Like we got a lot going on. So you can- I was like, is there anything you're not covering? <laughs> Environment. Global <laughs> warming. <laughs> yeah, global warming. I think we'll get there. <laughs> I've thought about it. but. <laughs> You can get your first course for free at www.lifeafterhighschool.us and on Clubhouse, Instagram, TikTok, it's at EdenGold underscore and then website, IamEdenGold.com. So lots of stuff. You got options. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of options. Um, Okay. So you are an amazing, amazing woman and I'm super excited um, to... um, to continue these conversations because I think there will be many. <laughs> I've had so much fun. Good, good. That's the point. You know, I, I, it's like all important stuff. Um, but I want it, you know, I want it to be conversational and educational and inspirational and igniting, uh, you know, so that we activate people to create better lives for themselves, better relations for themselves And again, like dropping that sense of judgment and shame and really coming to this place of love and acceptance for who you are, where you are, you know, in this present moment, because this is all we got. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. So, so, um, thank you. So 
for people who are listening, um, if you have been inspired, if you've been motivated today, please subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast and share with anybody that you feel would benefit from this conversation because there's so, so many nuggets and gems of wisdom that you have shared. Just the carts. I mean, eating gold. <laughs> oh, great. Call me that. Uh, so please, if, uh, if anybody wants to find out more information about me, contact me, Don Richard at uh, the Awakening with Don on Instagram and Facebook. And I help you create more real love in your life. So that is my work. And all my, my mantra of this podcast is the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. And you are proving that over and over and over, Eden, you know, by the way that you're showing up for yourself, by the way that you're dealing with your own um, trauma that you've experienced, by the way that you're stepping into your power and your gifts and your talents. I mean, you are a living example of my podcast mantra. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That just made my whole night. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So everyone, every day, wake up to more and more real love. So thanks for listening, everybody. And Eden, I look forward to many more conversations. And everyone, take care. Until next time. See you later. Bye, Eden. Bye. Subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast. Leave five-star reviews. And of course, share with your friends. You can find Dawn on various social media platforms at Dawn Richard or at The Awakening with Dawn.